Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that was recited that was recited pertains to a definition it is giving a definition and definitions are important if a person is not familiar with the definitions of certain words certain titles certain concepts then he will apply it in the wrong place person doesn't know the definition of a doctor then he might give the title to somebody who's not a doctor <coughs> in our childhood days I recall one person had worked for many many years with some doctor or in the hospital whoever over time he opened up his own practice store and he used to have a longer queue than most doctors and I recall one day I hadn't gone to school, so when I went back, so the teacher asked, what happened? So, not well. You went to the doctor? Yes. So who you went to? So I gave that person's name. So he was also familiar with him. Everybody was familiar with him. He said, that's not a doctor, that's a quack. <laughs> so I only knew of quack, the duck quacks. The first time we heard of the word quack is somebody who is not a doctor, but has learned something by the way, and he's practicing. So... The definition now was important. So we put the title in the wrong place because we didn't know the definition. So like that, there are various definitions in the ahadith as well. The Quran Sharif and in the ahadith, various definitions. For example, one definition is of a mu'min. In the hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, Al-mu'minu man aminahu nasu min dima'ihim wa amwalihim. That who is a mu'min? The definition of a mu'min. We know the definition, the technical definition. But this is a definition also. And these definitions are meant to highlight specific characteristics. So mu'min is who? Nabi Islam says a mu'min is that person who people are completely at ease with regards to their lives and their wealth as far as this person is concerned. They have complete trust in him, in terms of their lives and wealth. That this person won't harm me in any way, he won't harm my property and wealth in any way, they have complete trust in him. When that complete trust is there, this person is worthy of that title now. In one hadith, there's a definition of a muhajir. Who is a muhajir? Because there's so many virtues for hijrat. So Nabi Islam says, Al-Muhajiru man hajara ma nahallahu an. In that in reality, who is the Muhajir? The one who forsakes everything that Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. Whatever Allah Ta'ala has forbidden, he has given it up. He is a Muhajir now. Because Muhajir, Hijrat, means to leave. So he has indeed left. He has left whatever Allah Ta'ala forbade him. Then in one hadith is Mujahid. Al-Mujahid. Who is a Mujahid? The definition of a Mujahid. Al-Mujahidu man jahada nafsahu fi ta'atillah. The definition of a Mujahid, indeed, the person who gives his life in the path of Allah Ta'ala. But here is a specific characteristic that needs to apply to every person who wants to be a Mujahid. Man jahada nafsahu fi ta'atillah. 
that person who suppresses his nafs in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala, his desires, those temptations, whatever is distracting him, he suppresses it. He doesn't give in to that. In order to obey Allah Ta'ala, he suppresses whatever is distracting him, whatever is tempting him. So now he's being tempted to look somewhere, he suppresses that. He's being tempted to say something which is wrong, he suppresses that. There's a desire within him to go somewhere wrong, he suppresses that. Now he, in the Hadith Sharif, is being termed Al-Mujahid. He is a real Mujahid. So these are all definitions. Likewise, this Hadith of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, very concise, very short, is also a definition. The definition of who is a Muslim. That every person, Alhamdulillah, who has Iman, Islam, then he's a Muslim. But here there's a special definition. That who is Al-Muslim, that person who truly deserves the title. That person who is indeed worthy of that title, who is he? So Nabi Islam says, Al-Muslimu man salim al-Muslimuna min lisanihi wa yadi. But who is Al-Muslim? A Muslim in reality is that person. Now obviously, the first audience of all this was the Sahaba Ikram. They heard it first. And in that gathering, those kind of thoughts could never have crossed anybody's heart and mind that sometimes might cross in our heart. That for example, we spoke about the first hadith, trustworthiness. So a person says, well, as long as I am trustworthy, everything is done. If I don't perform my salah, or I don't give my zakat, not serious. Al-mu'min, I'm a mu'min. So likewise, the definition of a Muslim now. So if I don't make my salah, etc., so I'm still Muslim. The sahaba, these things were something that was, there was no question about even entertaining such a thought. It went without saying that all the obligations of deen were in every person's life. And that is why if you look into the hadith, you won't find any hadith discussing that if a person deliberately leaves out a salah, what must he do? You'll find that mention that if a person by mistake missed a salah, man nama an salatin aw nasiyaha, he overslept. Or somehow the time just passed him, he didn't realize that the time came and went. So what should he do? So that is mentioned in the hadith. Because that is, any human being, it can happen to him sometime. That he just overslept by chance, he made all the arrangements, and he overslept, the alarm didn't ring, whatever happened. So that can happen, so that is discussed in the hadith. That fal yusalliha idha zakaraha, that as soon as now he realized he missed his salah, you must make up for it. That this is a debt from Allah Ta'ala. But you won't find in any hadith any mention about if a person deliberately missed out a salah, what he must do. And the simple reason for that never being mentioned was it was something unimaginable. So something unimaginable is not spoken about. But that is derived from if a person misses it by mistake, what he has to do, obviously he missed it deliberately, then he has to do that by even to the greater extent. So nevertheless, in the context that the Sahaba heard this they realized that there's no question about missing the obligations of deen. But now the definition is being given. Who is Muslim? Al-Muslimu man salim al-Muslimun mil lisanihi wa yadi. Nabi Islam is saying that person deserves this title. That person is truly a Muslim who other Muslims are safe from any harm of his tongue or hand. 
any kind of harm from his tongue or hand, meaning his word or his deed, any word or action. So the person who has this in him, that no other person is inconvenienced in any way from his word or deed. The Bishlasim says this person deserves this title. Now deen, nowadays, everything is, they want, we want a package deen. Person is traveling somewhere, he wants a package deal. Everything must be in the, done for him. The last bird, every part from the booking of the ticket to the visa, to the accommodation, to the internal transfers, and to the meals, and nothing must be left out. It must be a package deal. He's got a function somewhere, he wants to hire somebody who will give him a package deal. So somehow, when it came to deen, we forgot about the package. Somebody has taken salah, and felt this is the whole entire thing. Alhamdulillah. Without salah, there's no deen. A person in whose life there's no salah is like a body without a head. So that is fundamental. That's one of the pillars of Islam. But some person has taken salah, and he felt that monetary dealings doesn't, is not part of the package, not necessary. I can do what I want there. Some person is extremely careful about the way he deals. Say, well, if I miss my fajr salah, what's in there? So somebody has taken one thing, somebody has taken another thing, whereas deen is a complete package also. It constitutes everything of our life. Whether it is our aqaid and beliefs, our ibadat, our mu'amalat, our monetary dealings, our mu'asharat, our social life, and our akhlaq, our character, every aspect is part of this package. And while we have to be punctual with our salah, we have to be observant of the laws of dealing also. We have to be practicing on the aspects of mu'asharat and social life as well. We have to be upholding the akhlaq of Rasulullah also. The complete package is not something departmentalized. That somebody will look after one department and somebody will look after another department. So everything is part of the package. And this hadith of Rasulullah it brings or highlights that part of the package which is known as mu'asharat, social life. And the crux of it all is that any person must not be inconvenienced by us. We must not cause any kind of taklif to anyone. If you look into the life of Rasulullah then we'll find how he highlighted this. In what a way, what a dramatic way. Once late at night, he wakes up, according to some riwayat, it is the 15th night of Shaban. He had come and lay down on the bed for a while. And thereafter, he very silently wakes up. And in the hadith of Rasulullah in the hadith of Aisha is narrating, she now is giving the detail of it. She says he woke up very gently. Now she also stirred at that moment, or she was awake. Nabi Salaam wasn't aware that she was awake. So she was observing, and now she is describing it. And he woke up very gently. He put on his shoes very gently. Then he walked to the door very gently. He opened the door very gently. Then he went out in a similar manner. He closed the door very gently. So in any case, she observed all this. 
So later on, the issue came up, where did Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam go? He had gone for ibadat. Now he woke up for the ibadat of Allah Ta'ala. And who is in that place? Nobody else but his wife. And he's going about all this in this gentle manner. One thing after, and to what extent this must have been, that she is mentioning this on every point. And the bottom line was, that even his wife must not get any taklif. He's waking up for ibadat. He's Sayyidul Mursaleen. He's Imamul Nabiyyin. He is that personality Allah Ta'ala has said, Everything is already forgiven, past and previous. Ma'asum. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi is taking this care. That for who? So that his wife is not inconvenienced. Though he's waking up for ibadat. Now, this is the crux of this Hadith Sharif. And we find that this amal of Rasulullah and this practical expression of this Hadith, this was, the life in the, this was in the life of the Sahaba. This was in the life of our Akabir. In all the people who had the true reality of deen in their lives. That they were hyper-conscious of this. That nobody should be inconvenienced by them. Insan is insan. We can err, we can make mistakes. But they went to the extent that they could to ensure that nobody is inconvenienced from them. One incident that highlights this in the life of our Kabir, Hazrat Muhammad Shafali Thanwi Rahmatullahi, he was one day very ill. And late at night he needed to go to the toilet. So he woke up quietly and Toilets in those days were outside the house somewhere. So he took the lota, the jug, filled the water, went. And he was obviously very ill, so all this took a toll on him. As he's returning, and he entered the house, but that exertion was now a bit too much, and he fell down, he fainted. After a while he regained consciousness, so he realized that he's fallen, where he's fallen, he woke up, somehow supported himself, and came back to his bed and lay down. Now when he laid down on his bed now, this was just something that he's woken up from having fainted. And in this illness, in this weakness. Now when he came to the bed and he realized that when I came in, and at that point when I fainted, at that time I was still holding that lota in my hand, that jug. And when I fell, it obviously fell out of my hand. So it is probably lying in the way there somewhere still. And in the morning, if somebody else walks past there, they are likely to trip or get hurt or something. Or if somebody wants to use it, they won't find it in its place. So they'll be inconvenienced. Now his wife was there, he could have woken up. But he didn't do that either. In that condition, he woke up again from his bed made his way back to that spot with difficulty, found that jug lying there, picked it up, put it in his place, and then came back to sleep. Now this is al-Muslimu man salim al-Muslimun min lisanihi wa yadihi. That nobody must get any taklif from me. Insan is insan, we all are prone to errors. But that concept, that who is a Muslim, I got to aspire for that. I have to make an effort to acquire it. Yes, I will falter, I will err, I will make mistakes. But am I even making an effort to get there? 
Am I moving in that direction? Do I have the destination in front of me? One is a person driving. Where are you going to? I'm just spinning around. So he's spinning around. He's got no destination. He'll take any turn. Sometimes right, sometimes left. He's spinning around. So after two, three minutes, five minutes, sometimes after half an hour, he's still in the same place. He's still spinning around. And somebody, where you are going to? I'm going to the masjid. So after one minute, he's no more here. You see him already at the next stop. Then in the next minute, he's already at his destination. So a person who's got the destination in front of him, he is likely to move in that direction. But the person doesn't know the destination or is not doesn't have it in front of him, then he'll spin around. So this is the destination that a Muslim is aspiring to reach here. We are weak, we will falter, we will make mistakes, that is in his place. But if the destination is in front, then the person will take one step at a time and move forward. We find that our Akabiru is so conscious of this, that they will not even want to hurt the next person's feelings in any way. Hazrat Mufti Shafi Sahib Rahmatullah the father of Hazrat Maham, Mufti Taqi Sahib, Daun Barakatuhum, who many of us would have seen, has come to South Africa many times. So his late father, who was the Mufti Azam of his time, of Pakistan. So, when he had completed his studies, he then did his iftar, became a Mufti. So now he is not just any person, he is already an qualified mufti and he's teaching in Dalum Dewan. So one day he came to visit his ustad, Niazar Hussain Sahib Rahmatullah So he had some mangoes and he presented those mangoes, said, let's eat the mangoes. So they ate the mangoes. After they ate the mangoes, Mufti Shafi Sahib is a student, though he's now a graduated mufti, but he's nevertheless, this is his ustad, so he quickly went to now, clear up the dastarkhan, the table mat. So, Azhar Hussain Sahib Rahmatullah was your ustad, he asked him that, do you know how to do this? You're rushing to do it, do you know how to do it? So, Mufti Shafi Sahib Rahmatullah in a little bit of light-heartedness, said, I didn't know that there were some qualifications required to be able to clear up the dasarkhan. But in any case, I don't know, you teach me. So, Hazrat said, okay, I'll teach you. So, in any case, a lengthy incident, but one aspect which I wish to highlight from here, after all the various things he told him, he said, now, you see all these mango peels and pits. One is now in India, the rural areas, etc. There was no garbage collection. People would normally take it and just leave it somewhere outside. Whoever wanted will take it away from there. He said, now, if I take all this and leave it outside, the children of the neighborhood... They will pass here and see, subhanallah, so many mangoes were here in this house eaten. And we couldn't afford one also. And their hearts will be hurt by that. So now I will not take it and keep it here. I will go and take it far away and keep some at one point and some at another point where some birds and other animals will come and eat it up. But not all at one spot also. That somebody doesn't see all at one spot and feels deprived. That, that sense of deprivation mustn't cross his mind and heart. Because that will hurt his feelings. That is astounding as it is, even beyond that. According to some narrations, it was his incident. According to some, some say it was another Buzruk. That after Isha, whenever he would walk home, he would come to a certain point, he would remove his shoes. 
and then walk bare feet, maybe 20, 30 meters, whatever. And thereafter, he would wear shoes again and then carry on walking. So one day, some person walking with him said, this is a very strange thing. What is the meaning of this? You're taking off your shoes, then walking bare feet, then you're putting your shoes on after a while. So he mentioned, well, see this area, there's all kinds of people living here, Muslim, non-Muslim, everybody. At this spot that I pass here, I got to pass it, this is on my way. I got no option, I got to pass here. But here there is one woman of ill repute that lives up here. And there was a time when she was maybe much younger and she had many clients. Obviously, these kind of things are far away from deen and there's a non-Muslim person in any case. But now she's aged. So now that all is gone. But she's still waiting for some business, so to say. So when I walk past here, I take off my shoes because she might hear the footsteps and it might cross her mind that somebody is coming and then she'll hear the footsteps passing and she'll also feel broken hearted. Why must I unnecessarily cause that? We're not going to go there in any case. That is out of the question. But without any need, why even cause that amount of difficulty to anyone? Can we imagine this extent of consideration for the next person? So this is something which the Beast Lassam is giving us this lesson. Al-Muslimu man salim al-Muslimun min lisanihi wa yadi. That out there in the world at the moment, there's a fire raging all over the place. Illa mashallah. And much of this fire has been ignited by the tongue. Much of that fire is fueled by the tongue. So the Beast Lassam is saying that a Muslim is that person who uses a tongue very carefully. What is he saying? How is he saying it? Is he speaking that which will bring about love, unity, bring about good feeling? Or is it like a person driving recklessly? A reckless driver will bump into something this side, knock into somebody that side, cause some damage somewhere, and run somebody down. So this vehicle of this tongue also is very dangerous. So this is what the crux of this hadith is that nobody is given any inconvenience, let alone human beings. In the hadith sharif, we have been taught about not even causing taklif to animals. The Tamir rahmatullah has written a whole kitab, Hukukul Baha'im, the rights of animals. That animals too are to be treated correctly. A person has a pet, he'll be questioned about how he treated it. Did he feed it correctly? And when a person does not take the care that is required, and this is what brings about various kinds of ripple effects, various kinds of consequences. But the difficulty is that this dunya is obviously a place of test. The link between what happened and what the consequence is, is not obvious. Like a little child, so the child now, sometimes the parent now is showing the child, see magic. So what the magic is, that he's putting his finger on the light switch, and he's pressing the light switch. And the light switch is on the wall, but the light is coming on on the roof. The child is amazed. Subhanallah, this is like magic. You press this button, yeah, something is happening that side. But now as the child grows up, then he realizes, no, there's no magic in this. Everything is all wired behind the scenes. It's all linked up. That, that button was pressed there, it was all linked up. Then the light came on here. If this link is not there, nothing happens. 
So that link wasn't obvious to the child. So like that, there are many things that happen all the time in our lives. But the link is not obvious to things that may have happened previously. It's like a person, he opened the tap, but there's a long pipe. He opened the tap on one end, but that hose pipe is 200 meters long. So now somebody else is standing on the other end waiting for water. They told him, open the tap, he said, yes, I opened it. There's no water. He says, well, the water is in the pipeline, it's coming. You haven't seen it on that end yet, but it's coming, it's in the pipeline. After a minute or two, suddenly it gushes out there. So he says, right, okay, it came now. But in the interim, it was coming. But it wasn't visible, where it's coming. Can't see anything coming. So like that, sometimes there is some zulm, some oppression, some thing that we have done, which we've opened a tap of some difficulty somewhere. But Allah Ta'ala's system is that things come, there's some respite. If a person went and he cut the, stopped the water before it flowed out of the pipe, he stopped it, then it won't come out on that side. He went and blocked it with something. So it won't come out. So like that, he opened, we opened some tap of difficulty on ourselves by some action. Sometime, whenever it might have been. Now something is in the pipeline. But a person feels, what happened? Nothing happened. I did what I wanted to do and I got away with it. What happened? I usurped somebody's wealth. What happened? Nothing happened. I swore that person. What happened? I hit that person. What happened? Nothing happened. But it's in the pipeline. It's on the way. Now either a person makes toba, istighfar, go and seek forgiveness, return the rights of people, and whatever inconvenience has been caused to somebody, he goes and clears it up. So then he will stop that in the pipeline. And Allah Ta'ala's rahmat is that inshallah it will go back also. But if that wasn't done, if that wasn't halted in its tracks, then it's in the pipeline, but it's not visible yet. And then it takes various forms. But because this is not visible, that where the link is, it's unlike that we know that there's this wiring behind the scenes. Here we can't see the wires. So a person fails to connect it. But those who Allah Ta'ala blesses with that fikr and that concern, they connect it. One day, he gives this incident himself. He says, this was that time of my life when I was busy writing Bayan al-Quran. The tafsir that he compiled, which is a masterpiece in its own right. And this is something that is only understood after studying various other tafasir in depth. Then the crux of this is understood. So he was busy with this compilation at that time. And it happened that his wife had to go somewhere to, some, to her relative's place or whatever. So she was not supposed to be there the next day. She had left in the night before. So she told him, look, these chicken that I have, I have, she had been raising some chicken. At 10 o'clock in the morning, you must put the grain and the water for it. Very well. So 10 o'clock in the morning came. Now he, that was not his normal duty. It was not his routine. So when a person is not used to something on a daily basis, it's very easy to forget about it. So this was told to him in the night. By the time the day came, he got busy in his work. So he forgot about it. Now the time came for him to surround and continue with his compilation of his tafsir, Bayan al-Quran. So he says, I sat down to write and every day my pen flows and I can feel the everything pouring from above. 
And today I'm sitting there and blank. And I'm failing to write one word. And I'm trying to think, but everything has suddenly stopped. All that showers of knowledge that used to be coming suddenly is not there. So I immediately stopped to think that I have done something. I have done something that has resulted in this obstacle that has come in the way. That has become a blockage and is preventing this good from coming. So I immediately pondered and then suddenly I realized, Inna lillah, I was told to put that grain for, that, for those chicken, the grain and water. That was 10 o'clock now, it's 11 o'clock already. So I immediately rushed out. I left everything else. I first went and fed those birds. And after a while, they had eaten, they had drunk their water. I then came back and resumed. As soon as I sat down, he says everything else started flowing again. Whatever was the case before started flowing. Now this is with pertaining to a makhluk that we call animals, birds, not even human. But the consequences, this was a mistake. But the Ahlullah sat down to think. Where is the link? They know there is that link somewhere. They go dig behind the scenes to find the wiring. Where is this wired to? And they find the wiring. And they immediately make amends. Because the destination is in front. And that is when a person has that destination in front, that is what will stop a person from making excesses in this regard. That is what will guard a person and will keep him conscious that I got to be careful not to cause any taklif to anyone. There was one king, Malik Shah. Centuries ago, the king of Iran. So One day he went out hunting and took his whole party along with him. And for three days they were out in the hunting grounds. So some of his people, one old woman was living out there in the jungle. And she had one cow. So his people, whoever, they came and they took this cow and slaughtered it. Now this one old lone woman, she was living off the milk of this cow. They slaughtered it. And they cooked his meat and had it. So she said to them, well, she knows now she's dealing with the king's people, what she's going to do now? So she said to them that, look, okay, you've slaughtered my cow, but at least pay me the money for it, so I can still make something out of it, I can make ends meet. They said, forget about the money, what money are you talking about? Now what does she do? So in any case, she finally mentioned this to somebody. So that person advised her that, look, the king himself, these, is, these are his people, the king himself is a good person. What you do is, he has to pass, when he's going back, he's here for this three days. When he's going back, he has to pass this one bridge. There's no other road out. He has to go past this one bridge. So you stand there on the bridge and wait. He has to pass there, wherever he is now. But he has to pass there. When he's passing there, then you talk to him. And you tell him what happened. And he'll attend to your situation. So in any case, she came there. And she waited. Eventually, the king came. With all his entourage and everything. As soon as the king's host came onto the bridge, she woke up and came and held the reins. Now she took this courage to come and hold the reins. The king also got surprised. Who is this? What's going on? So this woman addressed him and said that, O king, there's a matter I have with you. I have a matter with you. And then she said, now, in Persian also, in Urdu also, the word pull. 
Pool means bridge. So she said, you want to sort out this matter on this bridge, this pool, or the pool sirat, on that bridge. You decide. You're passing now on this bridge. This is the only bridge you're going to pass here to go past. So I've stopped you here. You want to sort it out on this bridge, on the bridge that is to come. So that king jumped off his horse immediately. And he came and said, I want to sort it out now here on this bridge. I don't want to sort it out on that bridge. What is the problem? So she gave the whole detail and then he made up for that, compensated her and did more than that also. But that was the immediate response because he had the fear of that bridge. That tomorrow there's a bridge also. Normally we say we'll pass that bridge when we come to it. But when we come to that bridge, then it's too late to think about I'll pass that bridge when we come to it. That bridge we have to come to it now. That pull sirat in the hereafter, the sirat mustaqim in this world, that is the pull sirat of the hereafter. The person who walked on that sirat mustaqim, the straight path correctly in this world, then he'll walk across on the pull sirat without any difficulty. And where the sirat mustaqim, the person deviated in ibadat, in muamalat, in muasharat, in akhlaq, in whichever aspect of deen, he departmentalized it. He didn't take the whole package. Now all that will become a problem on that bridge. On that sirat. So therefore this very concise hadith Nabi Salaam gives us regarding this entire aspect of mu'asharat. Al-Muslimu man salim al-Muslimun min lisanihi wa yadi. That a Muslim is that person who nobody is inconvenienced by his word or deed. He's very conscious. What is he speaking? Is he saying something that will bring about muhabbat? Or is he saying something that will break hearts? There are situations a person is provoked. So, sometimes a person says, well, I just said it in the... No, I just lost it. So, I lost my head. So now if you consider that statement, that lost, if a person loses something, he lost his money. So his money is no more with him. He lost his... Watch, his watch is no more with him. He lost his head. It's like a headless person. Now, can we imagine a headless person? What will be the situation? Person says, I went off the rails. So now there's going to be only disaster if the train goes off the rails. So these things a person needs to be conscious of. Yes, we are again repeatedly saying this. We are insan, we are human beings, we will err. But the first step is to realize that there's a destination to reach. To identify the destination and to start making an effort to move in that direction. And this comes when a person associates with those who have gone to that destination or on the path. He reads the lives of those people who live their lives in that manner. Read their biographies, read how they conducted themselves. They also came were confronted by various situations in life from various quarters whether it was on a domestic level, whether it was in a work situation, whether it was out in society, wherever it was, they were also human beings. They also lived with people. They also encountered all kinds of things. How did they conduct themselves? We read about it, we will get direction. We discuss these things. Unfortunately, our discussions have become devoid of these aspects. Our discussions pertain or relate just to the dunya and the things of the dunya all the time. But these are the things that are going to make our dunya also a pleasure. 
What is in the akhirat will come. But these things will make the worldly life also jannat on earth. So this is what we have to acquire. This is a very beautiful lesson that Nabi Islam is giving us and what we have to try to bring into our lives. May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give me the tawfiq, give all of us the tawfiq of living this hadith of Nabi Islam. Al-Muslimu man salim al-Muslimun min lisanihi wa yadih. That a Muslim is that person who nobody is inconvenienced or harmed by his word or deed. Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi Beside the Rujri. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah Sallallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala Alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi Wa baraka wa sallam وَبَارَكَ وَسَلَّمَ تَسْلِيمًا كَثِيرًا كَثِيرًا يَا رَبِّ صَلِّ وَسَلِّمْ دَائِمًا أَبَدًا عَلَى حَبِيبِكَ خَيْرِ الْخَلْقِ كُلِّهِمِ جَزَ اللَّهُ عَنَّا نَبِيَّنَا مُحَمَّدًا صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ بِمَا هُوَ أَهْلُهُ لا إله موسیقی 
درد دل ہو درد دل ہو درد دل نفس و شیطان دونوں نے مل کر ہائی کیا ہے مجھ کو تباہ اے میرے مولا میری مدد کر چاہتا ہوں میں تیری پناہ مجھ سا خلق میں کوئی نہیں گو بد کردار ناما سیاہ تو بھی مگر غفار ہے یا رب بخش دے میرے سارے گناہ اب تو رہے بس تادم آخر ورد زبائے میرے الہ لا الہ الا اللہ 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 محمد رسول اللہ صلی اللہ تبارک و تعالی علیہ وسلم اللہ اللہ جل جلالہ عم نوالہ اللہ خدا محرم نبود 
آہ راجز آسما ہمدم نبود راز راغیر خدا محرم نبود الہی ای بندرہ رسوا مکن گر بدم من سر من پیدا مکن الہی ای بندرہ رسوا مکن گر بدم من سر من پیدا مکن ہر تمنا دل سے رخصت ہو گئی اب تو آجا اب تو خلوت ہو گئی ہر تمنا دل سے رخصت ہو گئی اب تو آجا اب تو خلوت ہو گئی مٹا دے اپنی ہستی کو چھوڑ دے ساری بستی کو بستی بستی کہتا جا اللہ 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 محمد الرسول اللہ صلی اللہ تبارک و تعالی علیہ وسلم اللہم لکا الحمد کلہو و لکا شکر کلہو اللہم لا نحسی ثنان علیک انت کما اثنیت علی نفسک جز اللہ عنا نبینا محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم بما هو اہلو ربنا غلمنا انفسنا و علم تغفر لنا و ترحمنا لنکونن من الخاسرین رب اغفر وارحم وعفو و تکرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت العز الأكرم اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان وحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك يا مصرف القلوب صرف قلوبنا على طاعتك اللهم اغفر لأمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم ارحم أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم تجاوز عن أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم 